Sometimes we neglect the relationship that we have with our Savior and our Lord and forget that our connection that's literally the lifeblood to us on a moment-by-moment basis is prayer, and we neglect that. We sometimes use prayer as something that we do uh, habitually, but when we have time, set aside to do that. Sometimes we only pray when there's a problem. And we say, Lord, you can be my co-pilot. I'll fly this plane, and when I run into trouble, I'll turn it over to you, and I'll expect you to land us safely. Now, that was a view, that's a view that many people hold. And it's sad when we realize that prayer is not about communicating to God just what we need, but it's about communing with God, being in his presence, becoming more like him. I've always been fascinated when I watch little children and I see them idolize one of their parents. And they begin to use the same gestures and word phrases and and they even have sometimes the same look because they simply want to emulate that parent in every sort of way. That's exactly what God expects of us. We're to look at his son through scripture and understand exactly what we are to be. And we're to become like him. And and when we are like him and we pray, there's a power that's there that's amazing. Because he loves us and we love him. And many times the the frivolous thoughts of, of things that we really didn't need at one time are brushed away. But other passionate needs come upon us, and when that time comes and we pray, that mountain is moved. I've seen that happen in my own life. I've seen God work in amazing ways. It's a frightening thing when you ask God to use you to make a difference in the life of someone else, and then he does it, and it's almost terrifying to think that the God of this universe that created everything that exists could hear me and could respond to what I am saying. We've got to remember the power that we have in prayer. We've got to understand that that relationship is one that will go on forever. But it begins in this the most dangerous place that we'll ever live, earth. In the middle of of this soup of sin, we roll about. This brokenness in this world, we serve him. Jesus wanted us to know that, that the great work that we would do, greater than the works that he accomplished on this earth, And the miracles he performed will be the miracles of drawing others to him and that they can be moved from the debit side of the ledger to the credit side. Where they can know that they've got sins forgiven and have peace with God and know that whatever should happen in the future, they're safe 
because they're saved. People are funny about prayer, and I, I talk to a lot of folks on a regular basis about that. Many people want to come and, and check things out to make sure their prayer life is correct, and sometimes they say, it, it seems like God doesn't hear me anymore. But sometimes, have you ever felt that you're not getting through? It's not that God isn't answering your prayers in a timely way because you know God answers prayers in His time, not our time. And He's working out His will. And, and if, if we petition on behalf of someone that He's already through His Holy Spirit influencing, then we will be blessed to observe and see the hand of God at work. Some people say, my prayers don't reach God. Sometimes people will come up with pat answers like they'll say, if you had enough faith, maybe he would hear you and he would answer. If you were praying the right way, if you knew that secret key to prayer, you've not read that book. And if you'd read that little book that they're selling right now at the bookstore, you'd understand how to pray to get answers. Oh, dear friends, don't believe that. God isn't tricked by set words. God is just like his son. He doesn't listen so much to our words as he listens to our heart. And he knows what we're thinking. And sometimes the prayers that are not heard are the ones that really weren't prayed to him. They were just prayed to the, the community listening. I remind you that the only thing Jesus ever said about public prayer was don't do it. He said, when you pray, enter into your closet, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in heaven, and your Father in heaven will reward you. And I've seen public prayer taken to such an extent that it was used to admonish and exalt and exhort those round about not to speak to our Heavenly Father. Now, I want to tell you, I don't stand up here and pray the way I pray when I'm alone with Him because I'm not confessing my sins in front of you. You probably know them already and don't get haughty. You've got sins too. We all must confess those sins and we must have that relationship that is so close. But I want to think today about the circuit breakers of prayer that are dangerous. I grew up in a world like many of you did where we didn't have circuit breakers. What we had were we had those little bitty fuses that were glass that you would screw into a fuse box. I can remember my first apartment that I rented. I noticed that we had no problem with any of the fuses ever burning out, and I found out why. Right behind every wonderful fuse was a penny, which stopped the fuse from doing its job. It was a way to bypass the purpose of, of, of the circuit. I want to think about, because I grew up in the household of an electrician, I want to think about the circuit breakers of prayer that move us away from God. You know, there's no one reason why your prayers aren't working. So when you and others are struggling with prayer, 
don't be so quick to come up with a classic answer of why. Remember, America has become a nation of scientists, or so they think. There used to be an expression that went like this. They've not gotten it down to an exact science, or, or they're trying to get it down to an exact science. Well, here's the, here's the humor in all of that. Science is not exact. It's not proportionate. It's not accurate. In fact, it changes. If you take a science book from 10 years ago and put it next to a science book of today, there'll be a great difference there because the book filters through the most dangerous situation in the world, humanity. We are prejudiced. We only see what we want to see. We want to punish what we do not appreciate. And sometimes we don't understand that God is always God. He does not move or change what, is, what was right and wrong a thousand years ago will be right and wrong a million years from now. God does not change, but we do. And we've got to understand that our pat answers don't work with God because he's not even hearing them. He's listening to our heart. Now, the first circuit breaker I want to look at is when you have an indifference to God's law. Now, let me explain what I am saying by that. We live in Selma, Alabama. In Selma, Alabama, uh, I learned early on that people have different laws here that they go by in their heart, such as if the car in front of them is at a three-way stop, and it shoots straight through the, the, the stop sign, guess what? You've got permission to do that. Jeff, I told you when you came to Selma, there's a five-second rule. When the light turns, turns green, don't drive through it right then because the people going the other way have five seconds to decide if they're going to obey Selma's law or follow their law. And, and it's an irony to see that, but people live that way spiritually. About 500 years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Zechariah recorded these words from the Lord. He said to the nation at that time, he said, but they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly, they turned their backs and stopped up their ears. The people of Israel have made their hearts as hard as flint. And would not listen to the laws or the words that the Almighty has sent them by his spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord was very angry and he said, when I called, they did not listen. So when they called me, I would not listen, saith the Lord. You see, rejecting or ignoring God's laws is a circuit breaker that will cause problems with prayer. You have to be in right standing with God to be able to, prayer, to pray and have your prayers heard. It's not that God ignores you. He's right there. He's waiting for you to repent. You can't brush aside truth. You can't walk away from God's law. You must be obedient 
to be considered his child. And so many people walk in sin and they think, oh, well, God will just overlook that. But the problem is the behavior that we have is changing us. It's making us into someone that God never intended us to be. This scripture written many hundreds of years ago is still applicable today. We need to check up to see whether we're outright rejecting God's law or we're simply ignoring its requirement of being fulfilled. Because after all, who do we represent? I had a friend that many years ago lost his job. He was in college and he had a great job working in a restaurant right near Georgia State University. And his job that he had in his off time, and he would do this in between classes, was he was a sandwich man. Now, I don't mean he ate sandwiches. He wore a sandwich sign and walked around advertising for a company near Georgia State University. The company name, company's name was Kinko's. They were a printing company. And he would walk about, and students would see that, and he, he had the little uh, symbol on there, and they could scan it, and it would give them directions to Kinko's from where they were standing. Well, one day after class, he was in a hurry. And he reached over in the closet where he kept his sign there in the student center. And he grabbed the first sign and he walked out. And he stood around and everybody was laughing at him that knew him. He had grabbed a sign that was advertising Pizza Hut. And they said, you can do that all day long. They're not going to pay you because they don't know you. And he had walked around for about an hour and never even noticed his own sign. We talked about that later, and I said, isn't that sort of what Christians do? We go about advertising for someone else, ourselves, a group we work with, or, or, or a fraternal organization we're involved with, and, and we advertise for them, but we're not advertising for Christ because we're not following His law. And my friend admitted, he said, I didn't do a bit of good for Kinko's that day, did I? I said, no, you didn't. We have got to understand the importance of reflecting his law. His law is not given to, to restrict us, but to protect us. It's not given to frustrate us, but to change us. And when we're in his presence, we will be changed if we will trust him. A sinful lifestyle with unconfessed sin deliberately going on in this pattern of life will destroy you. It will destroy you. Satan cannot remove your salvation, but he can cover over your possibility of ever having an impact on the kingdom of heaven. The 66th Psalm says this, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and heard my voice. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. You see, the problem many times when we don't hear God is not that God has left us, but that we have turned our backs on him and he's still standing there. My mother never weighed over 100 pounds. 
She's a little, little bitty lady. I, I tell folks that never met her, she was a cross between Granny on the Beverly Hillbillies and Sophia on the Golden Girls. She had a comeback for everything, and she had a weapon of choice with us when she wanted to discipline us. There was no standing in the corner. No, it, that would have been so easy. I would have been blessed by that. My mother would, would discipline us, usually with a switch, and it usually was from a peach tree, and it did not feel good. In fact, I told her one time, I know what Jesus felt like when he was flogged, because that's what it felt like. But after that, she would always make us go back and correct that which we had wronged in our life. She would say, you're a part of this family, and you will work in this family. And she would give us work to do, and we would have to perform it. She would remind us of who we are. Many times she would look out the window and our friends would be out there playing and we would want to go out and be with them. But she would say the most important thing in your life is inside these windows, not outside. You can't live for those people out there. And I remember this expression she, she said to me many times. She said, fair weather friends will be gone when the storms of life come. Know who you can trust. And that was so true. So true. God wants us to understand the importance of what we're doing. And he wants us to understand that when we neglect his law, we are changed. Confession of sin unplugs the prayer pipeline. It cleans us up so that we can clearly see him and hear back. The most obedient person that you'll ever have, if they can't hear your instructions, they're helpless and hopeless. We must cleanse our heart to hear him. The second danger, I think, that, that interferes and, and causes that, that breaker to go on, on prayer is, is pride. Pride is dangerous. Sometimes people feel, I'm so good, I do this and this, and I help my neighbor, and I give generously, and I do all these things. But in the midst of that, there's no humility because they're at the center of what's being discussed. Humility before God appeals to God. We have got to be willing to see Christ and not ourselves in all things. When God purifies us and prepares us, we must be a people who do not have such a high value of our opinion, but seek out God's direction. Greater than the prayer is the spirit in which it is uttered. This was said in ancient times by a monk. Greater than prayer is the spirit in which it is uttered because what he is recognizing is you can use all the nice words, but it's meaningless because you're so proud you don't allow him to sit on the throne of your life. Luke 18, 9 through 14 is a passage in which a Pharisee stood up to pray and said, God, I thank you that I am not like other men robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or like the, this tax collector. And he points over at him. I fast twice a week, give a tenth of all that I have. 
he kept count of what he was doing. He wanted to check everything off. I grew up in the day, like most of you here, when we were given an offering envelope in Sunday school and we had to check everything off. Bible read, lesson studied, offering brought. Now, those things were done back then to help the young person get into a disciplined life. But there's a point at which you're connected to Christ and that you don't have to check a list off and say, this is what makes me who I need to be. It has to be found in the relationship with Christ. You see, this man, this Pharisee, was depending on his own accomplishments to make him righteous and right. But the tax collector said, and I love this, God have mercy on me a sinner. If there is cotton in heaven and after living in the black belt, I believe there will be, God sticks cotton in his ears when the Pharisee speaks. But he leans down low and savors the words of the tax collector, for they are true. All of our pride and self-righteousness is not tolerated by God. People become proud for many reasons. They set accomplishments that they can reach, and then they have the accolades from those. They see themselves as accomplished, and others tell them that, and they begin to believe that they are superior. No, God made all of us to serve him and his kingdom, but none of us are above any other. For we all started out as sinners condemned to hell. And we all have something to celebrate in the righteousness of God. The third thing I think is that, that can interfere with our becoming the person we should be in prayer and causing the circuit breaker to, to, to go off is sinful intentions. James 4, 1 through 3 talks about prayer. And it says, when you ask... You do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Now think about that. Is it possible to pray and have bad intentions? Many years ago in Atlanta, I had a young person come to me and they said this. They said, I can't decide whether I want, I think it was a yellow or a red convertible and I'm praying and asking God which one I should get. I was very crude and cruel. I looked at them and I said, I don't think God could care a whit about that. He's not concerned about automobiles. He's concerned about you. What are you doing with your life? What are you giving to God of your life? Many times we reduce prayer down to that. God, I can't make my mind up, so you toss the coin. How frivolous and, and self-centered that is. These are the, 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 the sinful intentions that we go to when we don't follow his word. Yes, you can pray, but pray and read his word because this is the only guideline. This book is the only guideline that will get us to God. Many people spend their life chasing rabbits theologically speaking, trying to figure out a shortcut to God. There is no shortcut. 
There's a very direct way. In John 14, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father except by me. Those Jews knew exactly what he was saying. For hundreds of years, they would describe the tabernacle to someone. That's a tabernacle that moved through the wilderness and it existed until the first and second and then the third temples were built. And in the tabernacle, when you would walk in the front door to take your sacrifice, you would pass by this, this just large labor that, that would be burning there that, that, that was just so remarkable and so beautiful. And the pathway by it was called the way because it walked straight into the holy place and then beyond that, the holy of holies. They could not go to either of those places. But the priests could, on their behalf, make the sacrifices. And they knew that that pathway ultimately ended up with God. When Jesus said, I am the way, he meant I am not a way or one of many ways. I am the way. You're not going to get to God any other way. You're not going to get there by works. You're not going to get there by pagan religions. You're not going to get there by men's opinions. It will only be through the Son because God honored His Son and His Son was obedient to the Father. And because of that, we have access there, not because we've done anything great, but because he did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. What is the motive behind your prayer for that job promotion or that new car? What is the reason that you're wanting to have these accoutrements of life that, that seem to move you ahead? Why are you trying to keep up with somebody? When asking God for something, ask yourself first these questions. Do I really need this or do I want it? Do I ultimately want to please God with this request or is it all about me? You see, untoward intentions are circuit breakers in prayer. And sometimes what you're asking for is not something that God doesn't want you to have but he doesn't want that thing to be in the center of your attention. He wants to have your attention to do great things. An elderly man as he was dying in Piedmont Hospital, a man who had been a great jeweler in Atlanta for many years, Walter R. Thomas, he had set rings for Margaret Mitchell and some of the most influential people in Atlanta. He told me once, he showed me a photograph of a pear-shaped diamond that was 14 carats that he set for Asa Candler's daughter, the owner of Coca-Cola. He talked about the people he encountered in his, his long and remarkable life, but he told me this. He said, he called me young man. I don't think he ever called me by my name. And I was young. I was about 28 years old. 
He said, a lot of people have given me some wonderful things over the years. He said, I had a businessman hand me his Rolex watch, and, and I said, I don't know how to repair those. He said, oh, I don't repair it. I'm giving it to you. You're my friend. And he told me about all these things. He looked, at, looked me in the eye and he said, young man, you gave me something that no one else ever offered me. And that was a relationship with God. He'd been saved about six months before he died. And he said, all the wealth that I had passed through my hands could not have secured me against what is about to come. But I feel perfectly content waiting for God to call me home. And he said this to some of his family as they stood around. He said, hold on to the things that I pass along to you gently and softly because they won't always be in your hands. Realize this, that God has given you an opportunity to make a difference. And if you use that opportunity for yourself, you will be judged for it. I believe this is so true. I grew up in Atlanta. One of the idols in Atlanta at that, at, when I was a teenager was a fellow named uh, Ted Turner. Ted Turner's father owned T Turner Advertising. It was a bunch of billboards all over the South, and, and Ted Turner's dad had gotten into a financial bind, and things got worse, and he took his life. It was not just the business that... that absorbed his time. It was the fact that he had a very young daughter who had a disease, lupus, and she was dying of it. And it was horrible. And she was in pain all the time. And he could not help with that pain. Young Ted Turner watched this from, from the time he was about eight years old till he was 13. He watched his sister die. And many times he prayed and he asked God to save his sister from that. And he said, God never answered. And he held God accountable. He said, you know, I can't accept a God that won't hear a prayer and help a child when they're suffering. Folks, I want to tell you something. It's not about the words that we recite. It's about the relationship we have. And Ted Turner never had a relationship with Christ. He said, oh, I was saved seven or eight times. If you've ever been in youth work, you can spot that from a mile off. When those kids tend to come up, it's not about God and them. It's about those around them. And he never came to a faith in Christ that understood that God is in control. And he loved that little girl. And he would do what was best for her, not what they imagined was best for her. He spent his life bitter and angry. He prayed. Yes, he prayed. He recited the words. He said he prayed an hour a day for his sister all those years. But the reality is he never had the connection to God to hear back from him. Prayer is wonderful. The guidance he gives us back is it has no price. It's so, so wonderful. And he never got that peace in his heart. I pray that you will. I pray that you will come to know him in prayer in such a way that your life will be changed forever.
And I pray that if you've not grown in prayer, you will begin growing in prayer. And you'll have that power that permeates all of this earth and reaches out to eternity. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that in your holy word you give us hope. For you tell us that we can be connected directly to you. And I pray today that those who are listening and hearing can understand the importance of that connection because without that connection, they're hopeless. And I pray that we would be willing to surrender our lives even now to you, Lord, and that you can speak and we can hear and we can be changed. And I pray this in your holy name, Lord. Amen.